This is hard for people, huh? It's hard for me. It's hard for me. Because I feel like I haven't preached the whole gospel. And I repent. I repent. This hit me. Did you ever hear a Ray Comfort? Amazing. Just amazing. Like I, I was blown away. Now I don't, I didn't read a whole bunch of stuff, but this right here blew me away. It's just a scenario that, that rocked me to the core. I'm going to read this to you. You guys ready? Okay. I, I just, this, this right here like overtook me. I was like, oh my gosh. Because it's how you come in. When you come into the gospel because you came in for a better life, you've come in for the wrong gospel. When you come to Jesus because he's going to give you this and give you this, you really didn't surrender. See, what you're saying is that I've come to get this. What you've done is a taste test to see if it's true. It's the same thing as getting a buzz. Well, I'll try this Jesus thing. Maybe there's a buzz in it. <laughs> That's not Jesus. It's full. Your goal as a Christian is to be conformed to his image, is to be transformed into his image, into his likeness, and to actually walk like Christ walked. Jesus didn't... Welcome to the Eden Ideal Podcast. In this discussion, we continue where we left off in the last episode, spelling out what we think the Bible has to say about the complete gospel of the kingdom of God. We discuss why we think it's so important and how it's prompted us to set up this project, The Eden Ideal. It's quite a detailed conversation and some parts might seem really drawn out, but the concepts we discuss have literally changed our lives and we hope they can have a similar impact on you. Enjoy. Mike, my whole thing with the kids thing is that I don't think I want my own, so why? I don't want someone else's right now. You don't want kids? I want to adopt. Wait, but isn't, really? isn't adopting the this same... This is so interesting. But isn't adopting the same I don't want as... To, no, you still have your own parents. Like, that's not the same thing. No, but adopting... Why? No, but they're your kids now. Kids. Once they, you adopt them. If you adopt a kid, you won't, you won't help let them find their birth parents down the line? What if they don't have birth parents? So this all came out from... So you know I spent five and a half six weeks in an orphanage when i um in kenya Aww. oh no i didn't yeah, know so that. that that came no, that, that came out of that um and i was just like there are enough kids in the world that actually need someone to actually love them and i yeah. personally think the whole concept of having kids is very selfish oh, <laughs> um, wow this but, is wow okay. shots fired <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say you think that pants selfish. <laughs> Rachel said people who have their own kids are selfish when there's so many kids out there with no parents. No, 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 no. That's not my reasoning for thinking having kids is selfish, Tolly. That's, that's not the same, my reason. That's, the same that's idea not my that, reason. Um, what's his name? Tom I'm um, not Tom Cruise. What's the guy that did Titanic? Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, Leonardo yeah. Leonardo he's got DiCaprio. that same thought as well. He doesn't want to have any kids because of the way that the world is going. Because he thinks that the world is no, like dying. Yeah, but that's, that's not what I'm saying. But kids. like simply, if you ask people, why do you want kids? A lot of the answers that people say is that I just want someone who looks like me. I just want to procreate. Like, procreate? Reproduce. And it's never the joy of being <laughs> pregnant. 
The thing is, <laughs> I'm sorry, and that, that is so happy. I've been in so many selfish. deliveries. <laughs> you just want to feel pregnant. There's hungry orphans out there. You just want to feel I, pregnant. I, no, but the thing is, is that I feel like you can have both. I wanna, I genuinely want to adopt children. Like I really do. I yeah. would love to adopt kids. Like that's one thing that I really want to do, for sure. See, this is but the I thing. I also like... want to have my own kids too. I think so if you asked me three years ago I would have been like yeah definitely I'm not having kids so now I'm a bit like oh I can maybe have one maybe um but but that's 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 so interesting we've had this conversation because yeah there are a lot of like black guys out there that are just a bit like "Mm -mm." (laughs) yeah like that's why Rachel's definitely get with the white guy so do you say that up front when you're when you're dating, do you say I don't really want kids? I think that's a ridiculous so, thing to say up front, personally, because you never know. So about why do you think that's a ridiculous? That's that's a, not, that's, you that's should that's say that. I just I need to I know. Think, I think for where Rachel, I don't know. I don't know if she's like a heart yes. set on it. Rachel probably doesn't. So need to imagine, say it imagine if she now like doesn't explore something with a guy because she told him she doesn't want to have kids, and then down the line she then has kids, and that could have been the guy. Do you know what I'm saying? See, no, but my issue, my sticking point. So we've had this conversation um, with that other guy. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, it was a uh, yeah. It was a bit tricky because I think. I need to, I think I need someone who's possibly on the same page in thinking that maybe I might, like, I, I don't mind how this goes, but for him, it was a definite, I want three kids. I don't want to adopt. So for me, like not being able to adopt was just a, mm, yeah, I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to adopt. Like, because like adoption is a real thing. If you cannot love a, ch- a, a kid that you adopt the way you love your own child, don't like don't adopt mm. yeah so, i think for me i i've been thinking more on the foster yeah I, I, we've also thought about fostering as well that's fair i think mm. it, i've seen how fostering can really help because that's what uh, my mom's in. my mom does it kids and stuff oh that's cool how's your mom a foster parent yeah oh, he's that's been fostering nice. for eight years eight ten years now I think there's more of a, a, a pressing need for that as well, I think. There's so much. The joke is she got into it for the black children um, and mm. she hasn't had a black child. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> the closest to a black child that she's had is mixed race. Ah. Mm. All right, guys, let's crack, wow. let's crack on because we're, we're, we're fast. Sorry, I've just been gisting too much. So um I think we've we've all talked about just our general thoughts on the church and Christianity and the gospel that we we grew up on um and I'm I'm going to kind of spell out my new understanding of the gospel but this is just the way I now see I'm starting to see the world and why I think the Eden ideal and what we're doing right now is so important I'm happy for people to disagree or to have views so we can discuss that as we're going along. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Okay, cool. So um, the story starts with God and he then creates humanity. And we know that there was close relationship with God and humanity. They were created in his image and his spirit was in within them. 
And it is this relationship and proximity to God who is the source that gives us eternal life. Now, God didn't just end there. He gives Adam and Eve some instructions in the garden. And those instructions were around working and keeping the garden, be fruitful, multiply, subdue and fill the earth. All of this was so that God could establish his kingdom on earth. He created humanity as representatives in his image that will rule the earth, work and keep the garden, subdue and fill the earth, make the earth like a colony of heaven. And that's what I dis- that's what I define as the kingdom of God. In this space, they had access to God. They had access to his wisdom. I think God was going to continue to work with them. They needed wisdom to, to establish his kingdom. They needed wisdom to subdue the earth and, and fill it and work it. Um, I think something that I've always said is a new new understanding of mine, but it's critical. I used to always think that the world was perfect when Adam and Eve were put mm. in the garden. But now, actually, mm-hmm. when I actually just read the story and you see that it was a wilderness outside. When the Bible mm. describes the earth as void and without form and God plants a garden in the midst of wilderness and then he, he asks Adam and Eve to fill the earth to spread that goodness, spread that garden. So they were going to work and make that happen. And their descendants, their offspring were going to go. And if, if they had done that with God's wisdom and follow in step with God, they would have created an amazing world, a good world that is in line with God's principles. And then we would have all, the whole of creation would have enjoyed God's seven day rest with him. I think that's fairly uncontroversial. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets that, right? <laughs> yes. Feel free to butt in, ask questions and stuff as we go along. That'll make it more interesting anyways. So then the story changes a little bit. Humanity rebels, right? Um, mm-hmm. And this new thing called sin is introduced into the picture. And the Bible characterizes sin as an external agent. In Genesis 3, Sin is described as something, a serpent, right? That comes in. It's it's it, it just talks about the serpent in Genesis 3. It doesn't actually talk about sin. But then in Genesis 4, in the Cain and Abel story, it then is more explicit. And it says it's sin that's crouching at the door. So it's developing mm-hmm. this concept of sin was an external agent that came, that was brought by the enemy, that came to deceive the humans, and get them to do something different and what sin did in that moment was instead of relationship it caused separation and because of that separation you no longer have access to the source and if you don't have if god was the source of eternal life if your separation separated from that source that leads to your ultimate death humanity was still gonna go out and do things but instead of following god's wisdom now we're following our own wisdom and that's what is characterized by eating from the tree of knowing good and evil like i said previously it was god who had the wisdom of what is good and bad now humanity are defining good and bad on their own terms by they became like that's what god said they become like one of us right And so instead of them following the commands of God to work and keep the garden, 
the story develops and shows that humanity is just all about wickedness. You know, that story is developed in the Cain and Abel story where you see the first murder. It's further developed in the city that Cain um, builds where you have Lamech that kills multiple people and has multiple wives. It's further developed all the way up to the story of Noah where the whole world is filled with wickedness and God just has to destroy the whole thing. But even after he recreates the world after Noah, like humanity just ends up in wickedness once again and you have the whole Tower of Babel story, ETC. We, We get the drill. The Bible's the story of the Bible is a story that shows us how when humans do things with our own wisdom, even when we have the best intentions, it always ends in wickedness. And unfortunately, what that does is we create what we now know as the world. So we were given the royal task to spread God's goodness across the world. But instead, what we Mm. spread is just our systems, our ways of thinking. And that's where we are today. Humanity doing things on their own terms has created the world that we have today. Is everyone with me? Um, I wanted to ask, and maybe like, because this may be a question that some listeners have. um, And I think you explained it really well when we had the conversation the other day. Um, Because me and Rachel were saying, going going back to the Garden of Eden where um, God said to them, you know, you can eat from any fruit, from any tree, but there's just this one, which is the tree of knowledge and good and evil that you can't touch. Um, And one could question, why was that in the Garden of Eden in the first place? Like, Why was that even an option for them to choose, okay, I can't touch it or I will touch it? And I think you, you gave a really good answer the last time, Tolly. Maybe if you can just touch on that. Yeah. So um, I, th- I think the simple answer is love. God is trying to, like I said, create representatives in his image to share in creation. He actually wants to share creation with us. He wants us to rule on his behalf. And he's given us delegated authority. So for him to give us delegated authority to do this thing, we have to be able to make our own choices. Otherwise, we'd just be robots. We'd be like the angels, you know. We wouldn't. It wouldn't really be us ruling on his behalf if we had no choice. So I think the story of the tree of knowing good of evil and the tree of life is a symbolic story demonstrating that and that on one end literally in the center of the garden you have access to god's presence and the tree of life which represents god's presence in his wisdom and the thing that will make this thing work but right next to that tree there is always the choice to go the other way like even right now in our walk as christians we have the choice to decide to disregard the thing that would lead us to to life and that's almost that's the thing that makes it makes it worthwhile right like when i do this stuff when i follow when i do the will of god and i choose to do the will of god because i get it and i understand it and i love him and i love people because i know that i didn't have to do that i could have gone the other way then it it may gives it more value. I think one of the analogies I gave to Rachel and Bim when we were speaking about this was if you were a parent and 
you had a child that you kind of effectively brainwashed to say this is everything you have to do this is what you have to this is how you have to live this is what's right etc and that child grows up and does that thing in society we would actually call that kind of abusive we would say that that child didn't actually even if the child is living a very fulfilled life we might say that that child you know wasn't given a choice or wasn't you know isn't right what that situation isn't right but if you had a parent that you know told their child this is why i want you to do this you can do this you can experiment with this you can come in and in fact that reflects a lot of our christian christian walks right where where yeah. we struggled with where we were just told this is the law this is what you have to do but when you're actually taught things and you come to it yourself and you come to a better understanding you ultimately create a better outcome so I think that's reflective of that in that story. Was that the answer I gave you the last time, Bim? Or yeah, it's it's down yeah, to it choice. Was, yeah. You know, God is a loving God that He gives us the choice to, you know, to choose life or to 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 go another way. Yeah. Yeah. He wants it. <laughs> so what? Wait, wait. So what you're saying is that God is still trying to work with us and still trying to create his kingdom despite our rebellious state. Yes. So this is this is where we are and then we get into God's re- redemption plan. And that redemption plan mm. rightly starts with Jesus. So Jesus comes on the scene and what does Jesus do? Jesus deals with sin. This is if you read the book of Romans, read the book of Hebrews, this is what they they say Jesus conquers. Jesus conquers sin, which then leads to the defeat of death. And how does that happen? Let's follow the, 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 the narrative. So if Jesus has conquered sin, that means we can get back into relationship with God, which then means we now have back into contact with the source of eternal life, and then we can have eternal life. So... What Jesus did on the cross was he dealt with that thing, that that external agent that was preventing us from doing the right thing. So all through history, despite God working with the children of Israel, despite God speaking to Cain before he killed his brothers, like what God had found was that humanity, there was just something distracting us or something causing us. We couldn't do his will. And that was because there was an external agent that we were in bondage to. This is why Paul describes it as we were slaves to sin. You know, so I think the Bible characterizes sin as the thing that has been causing us not to be able to listen and do the word work of God. So that's why Jesus Christ had to come and deal with sin and take on all of the consequence of sin on our behalf so that we can now be justified by faith in Jesus and have relationship with God. So this is what most people will call the gospel. Just this little bit here. Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for my sins. He rose again, gives me better relationship with God. Now I can enjoy eternal life with him i don't want people to think that i'm saying that this as the gospel is wrong but people see this people describe this as the gospel of jesus and as we 
talked about when you just have a focus on just Jesus and what he did on the cross, you miss out on the rest of the story, right? And I think this is symptomatic of why the church is the way the church is right now, because for a Christian, all you're trying to do is get into believe in Jesus, have faith in him, get into right relationship with God and wait for him to give you eternal life and you can enjoy that with him. That's the driver. And then the motivation would be to get as many other Christians, other people to join you on that. And that's why we're just trying to build more churches, evangelizing. You know, there's definitely, there is a, a view of, okay, yeah. And based on your relationship with God, you, you then should be giving off good fruit. But ultimately it's not really a primary, the fruit isn't really a primary concern because ultimately it's just your faith in Jesus that gives you eternal life. This is this is the core of the equation. I, I think that your faith, your belief is the starting point for eternal life. But in in that relationship, the whole the very point of you having a relationship with Christ is that you live according to his ways. Mm. So as you're in that relationship, you're evolving you're learning, you're growing. So you, the idea is you won't be the same person mm-hmm. five years from now from when you first met Christ. But I do believe that the starting point is, yes, believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God mm-hmm. um, and died for you. And through that, you now have access to God. I guess the question, the word that's typically used in Christian circles is the con- whether it's unconditional or not. So the view is what Jesus Christ came and did for us is unconditional, just a gift by grace because of nothing we can merit. And that is all we need because of the bigness of Jesus. We get to have eternal life if we would just believe in him. And that is all we need. So the question is, is all that stuff that you just mentioned, Bim, on the other side, is that is that a byproduct or is that also a requirement for your salvation? Because then people start to get confused because it starts to sound like works as well. And that's, that's, that's the danger with it because you, you do not, you're, the Bible says it's only through grace that we have been saved, right? Like Jesus is who made us righteous. We are like filthy rags before Christ. So there's not, enough amount of works that we could even do that would now make us qualify to go into heaven. However, having said that, there is, um, it's, it's kind of like an, an unraveling of you to becoming more like Christ that happens in your journey um, whilst you're in that relationship. And it's, it's the fruit. I'll say it's the fruit. That's the word I'll use as opposed to, a byproduct it's the fruit it's the natural progression of you believing in christ that you yes. do things that he expects you to do for example you love your neighbor you pray for mm-hmm. your enemies you give to the poor you you know all these things that um jesus talks about all these things are the fruit of okay you actually do believe in christ 
The Bible also mm-hmm. says, show me your fruit and I'll show you who they so are. So what happens if you don't show fruit, but you believe in Jesus as the son of God? How does that even work though? Like those two things don't even Yeah, that's mesh. what I was thinking. Because like, surely... Yeah, if you say that you have the Holy Spirit, how can you not... How do you not then do... <laughs> like... Things. Like, do you even have a relationship you with, can't Jesus, even have with a, Jesus, yeah. with the Holy Spirit, with God, if that's if not that's happening not in your life? Yeah, exactly. Like... And this is, and I think that's that's the crux of it. That's the point. Because if we then carry on this story, I think this is why this definition of the gospel, where it's just within this bracket, is dangerous. Because you then see what should be happening is based on this relationship. The teachings of Jesus become now the wisdom that you're drawing from. And he says, the Holy Spirit, I will leave a helper that will remind you of the things that I taught you and bring them to your remembrance. So the Holy Spirit is just here to to teach us and guide us. But it's based on everything that Jesus Christ has already said to us. So and what Jesus recognized was this was a condition of the heart. Right. So if you're now following him, your heart needs to be transformed from wickedness to one that is walking in love and Mm -hmm. if you do all of that what you'll find is you can then start to create pockets of the kingdom of god like jesus describes it as you become a temple god starts to live in you and god's reign starts to reign in your life and you start to do the will of god so we start to create pockets of the kingdom of god on the face of the world and one day Jesus will return, God will return to the world and make the whole thing back to his kingdom and we will inherit that kingdom that we've been we've started creating and turning back to him. I think this is the gospel of the kingdom of God. This I think is the full gospel that Jesus Christ came to deal with sin so that we might have access to god once again and have relationship with him through the holy spirit so that we might start to be um transformed by the holy spirit walk in love and then create the kingdom of god and ultimately our hope is that one day jesus christ will come and complete what he had started and we will inherit that kingdom that he'd created And I think that word inherit is so important because if you think about inheritance, right, in the context of the ancient Jewish people, the people in times of Jesus, most people were farmers, right? And it was their family members, their kids that would be helping them on the farm. So you picture yourself as someone on the farm helping your dad out or your mom out you're tending that farm, you're tending that garden, you're tending that business. If you started to slack on that business and you ran that business down, when your parent passed away and it was time to inherit something, there would be nothing for you to inherit. You, 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 you've not supported in that cause, right? But if you are a good, faithful child you'll support your parents you'll work that thing work that garden make it big and then one day your parent will say good good child inherit inherit this 
inherit this business the notion that we are just here to sit and wait for the kingdom of god to come is an incorrect one i think jesus is trying to one create people whose hearts are ready to operate in the kingdom of god just as it was meant to be in adam and eve's time and two he wants us to create this kingdom the same way he told adam and eve yo it's you guys' job to work and keep this garden it's you guys to fill and subdue this earth i am my purpose is for you to be the one to do this and be my representatives so i think it's the exact same thing with us what are people's thoughts on what i've said so far it makes sense it makes sense it makes sense it It fully does it's 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 basically saying um Christianity is not a free pass into heaven. Like it's not just you label yourself as a Christian and that you believe in God and you're going to heaven. There's fruit that kind of proves your relationship with God that follows your initial belief and if you're not bearing that fruit, then it questioned. The question is, do you really believe in God in the first place? from like what I think the conversation we had um, earlier in the week and what you've just said now um, I think in terms of everything you've explained I don't actually disagree with the fruit aspects of it I think definitely we should be bearing fruit of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in our heart but one thing I really struggle with is that we've come away from the law So there aren't certain rules and regulations that you need to follow in order to to be saved. Um, And if we go back to like justification and all of that, like that's all that's all done. That's all sorted. What I'm really struggling to to get away from is that it almost seems like. that the fruits is kind of bringing us back to a different type of works, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm. Um, in that we then begin to, and we're saying we're not judging anyone, which I completely agree, but it almost leads us to a point where we start looking at people saying, you're not doing X, Y, and Z. Um, therefore, are you really walking in christ i know that's what you guys have just said but that's the part and, that and that's really the part that i think that's the part that with. we uh, of course because it, there is such a thrust for it is not by our power it is only by the power of jesus it's not because of what we're doing it's only by what jesus christ is doing but i just uh, let's read some scriptures because just upon reading some scriptures i just I can't. I don't think we can escape from it. Um, if you look at some of the parables, 
that Jesus was talking about. In fact, you know, let's before we get to the parables, let's just look at what he says. Because so in Matthew twenty five thirty one to forty six. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he, he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you and the king will answer and say to them assuredly I say to you inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren you did it to me then he will also say to those on the left hand depart from me you cursed into the everlasting does that make sense? So, depart from me, you curse, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me food. You gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did you see... When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Yeah. So I, I get the question is, who is he talking to here? I think he's talking to all of us everyone yeah i don't think this is i don't think us as christians just because i think in fact explicitly as christians this is the thing he'll be saying to us so how would we explain this away he clearly when he comes back is going to be doing some judgment and he's he's laying out what his criteria is going to be he's not saying here unless you believe in me and have faith in me, this won't apply to you. I think I think the fact that he's even saying this sets the fact that he expects only the people that he has already come and delivered and given his instructions to follow this thing. There's many of these. So the, there's a parable just, the parable of the talents is just before what we've just read, where it's, you know, you know the story he gives, 10 talents to one, five talents to another, one talent to the other one. And one, the one that has one doesn't do anything with that talent. And then when he comes back, he's like, you know, I left you with this talent to do stuff with it, to create more with it. And you didn't do anything with it. And then he also casts him out into the darkness. So all of these parables show that when Jesus comes back, he's not just coming and saying, right, yeah, you've had faith and believed. He's going to say, what did you do with that? I gave you, I gave mm-hmm. you something. What yeah. have you, what, have, how have you advanced this 
this kingdom? How have you advanced this mission? He says it more explicitly in Matthew 7. Um, I'll, I'll quickly read Matthew 7, 21 to 23, where, where he says, Now everyone who says to me, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the mm-hmm. one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So these are people who are doing things in the name of Jesus. So these are people... Yeah, doing it, but not actually doing it properly. They're like falsely doing no, it. No, they, they, they're, doing, they're doing the wrong thing. That's my point. Because... In in the church growing up, like the the sign of maturity as a Christian was are you speaking in tongues now? Oh, are you gonna are you gonna mm. get the power of healing? Oh, are you gonna get the power of prophecy? Those are the things that people seem to be working to attain, more power from the Holy Spirit and all of that jazz. And I see here Jesus saying, Nah, that's not what I'm gonna be using to check you i will be checking you when i come back and i will be checking if you've done my will while i was on earth if you haven't i don't know you i never knew you go away from me the 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 bit just before this in verse 15 to 20 is the bit that talks about the fruit so it says beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. And then he goes on to say the thing about when you come to me, I'll tell you, I never knew you. I just think we need to be talking more about this stuff. Like it's, I I don't want to say this because even me, I'm reluctant to say this, but the perception that all you need is to have faith and believe and then you're, you're secure. Boom. I think it's a, you're in the kingdom of God. It's a scare. It's a difficult, it shouldn't, I don't know if that's, it's not the complete story. Of course you need faith and belief like I showed in the diagram, to even have access to the Holy Spirit in the first place, that could even give you a a chance in hell to do this in the first instance. You need that free gift and it's unmerited. That part is completely unmerited. Jesus just did that. But the question is, what do you do with that gift? Now that you have the Holy Spirit living in you, now that you have access to to the truth and knowledge and purpose that comes from God, what do you do with that? And I think we still have a choice. We can choose not to bear fruit. We can choose to still be selfish. I I don't want to call out stereotypical stuff, but like when you see, you know, people that are kind of amassing pastors that are taking wealth from the churches and amassing all this stuff. Like I just, I think there will be a reckoning one day and they'll ask like, Jesus will ask, what did you do? With the talent I gave you, did you go and use it for yourself, store it up for yourself? Or did you actually love people with it? Now, I can't judge 
trying not to judge i do judge if i'm being honest um what people do and how they do it but i i'm not the ultimate judge of the state of your heart but i think there are some signs and jesus christ is here giving us what the signs are it's the fruit are you bearing good fruit is that i don't know rachel what do you think from that I don't disagree with especially um, that portion of scripture that I think I read. I don't disagree that we we are required to do those and we will be judged on it. I don't think I ever disagreed about that bit. Mm. Um, and I think, again, it's not preached enough in, in the churches mm-hmm. um, in that we we focus very heavily on sort of our inward being and we're not looking externally enough. Um, So I actually don't disagree with that bit. Um, And I think for me, that's always been sort of what's missing sort of in terms of um, what is preached in churches and in terms of the gospel um, and just generally to my nature it's always seemed like that bit was lacking but my only my only thing is that that has to come with your heart being renewed there's no point doing all those things just for the sake of showing that you're doing it that's that's my only issue and i think we there will be people who will do it just for the sake of that so Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to to then sort of judge and we can, I guess we can never really know who is doing it because this is what's required or they're doing it just to do it. So as much as we, we place em- emphasis on this is a requirement, I just don't want us to fall back into the whole, like I said before, works thing. So I don't actually disagree with that scripture. I'm not going to lie to Lee. Yeah. It's, it's um, I, I just... I just want to read um, further down in Matthew 7. Um, I'm reading from the the Passion Translation. I just think it's very simple and easy to follow. Yeah, I like that Um, translation. Yeah, from verses 17. So going off of what Tolly was saying previously, so if the tree is good, it will produce good fruit. But if the tree is bad, it will bear only rotten fruit and it deserves to be cut down and burned. Verse 20, look at the obvious fruit of their lives and ministries, and then you'll know whether they are true or false. Um, I think this scripture makes it clear that fruit shows you, not not that we're judging, right? We're not judging, but fruit can show you very clearly how someone is living according to the fruit that they're bearing. And that's scriptural. That's That's not us putting ourselves on a pedestal trying to judge them or trying to say well mm, you know you're not quite there yet no like your fruit speaks for itself you don't have to say anything i can see by the way you're living your life if you know you're you're yielding to god's will and you're you're actively walking in that relationship now that's not to say because i think what we need to be careful of here is um making it sound like we're never going to do anything wrong and at every given point in our lives that we're always 
bearing fruit and we're always like mm -hmm. on point with God because the reality is we're not like there will be times where we're going to fall short but I like in this scripture where it says um in, in verse verses 17 to, to 19 it says but if the tree is bad it will bear only rotten mm. fruit the key word there is only so if someone mm. is constantly like in every single area is bad rotten fruit that you can see that's I think that's the determining factor of, well, did you really know God in the first place? Like, do you really have a relationship with him? Because if consistently you're sinning, consistently you're lying, consistently you're gossiping, consistently you're murdering or, or whatever it, it may be, not just doing the will of God. If that's your practice, if that's your lifestyle, and if that's your only fruit, if your only fruit is bad and rotten, then I think it is safe to say that you're false you're false in in your claim of you know god or you have a relationship with god because if you did have a relationship with god bit by bit you'll start to see good fruit does that make sense yeah mm. i think i think yeah. i think jesus the disciples asked jesus the exact same question the thing that you're struggling with rachel like how will we know these false teachers these false prophets and Jesus says the only way you can discern is by their fruits. But of course, we know we're not meant to judge. So I like the way it's put in Hebrews. Where So the natural thing that we're meant to do is encourage each other in love. Encourage each other to love. Encourage each other to do what mm. that those things that demonstrate that you're doing good fruit. Not as a, like a set of works that you do to earn your way in. Because mm. I think... I think I like that's that. the thing that that gets dicey. Encourage, don't exactly. condemn. Don't it's like, like judge, so encourage yeah. each other. Encourage people to, to do, do the, the right, right thing. thing. Yeah. And that's where, for mm -hmm. me, intro Eden ideal. when i got this understanding and i realized all of this stuff that you know like i almost feel like no i won't say it's completely like wasted but like a, a lot of what i've been doing in the past hasn't been complete and when i got this understanding it just made me feel like wow we need to do something and this is why i in particular became passionate about the eden night dealing when we first started thinking about this we we had many different ideas for how to push this forward and we ultimately came to the agreement that because this is something that's so misunderstood out there or people aren't really focused on this or talking about this at least in us in our church circumstances or our christian circles it's important that we get a message out there so that's why we thought podcast you know youtube channel all that stuff is the way to start this so we could get the message out there and start to encourage people to start to do this you know we're not trying to say so on all the conversations that we've had previously generosity all that black lives matter all that stuff you know it might sound like we're trying to like tell everyone you have to do all of these things but i don't think that's what we're doing we're just trying to give people opportunities to find ways to actually bear fruit and practice doing that 
I think the heart is a muscle and you can, you exercise that muscle. I definitely think doing good stuff, serving other people, loving other people. I don't think it's always, I don't, in fact, I, from my personal experience, it doesn't always start with heart change and then I help. It's usually I force my wicked heart to go and help and through helping, through seeing someone else's situation, through getting to know them better, I start to love more and I start to have more of that natural inkling to go and do that thing. So that's, for me, mm. back to your very original question, Bim, why I think the Eden ideal is so important. We left that question so far ago, so long ago. But no, it makes sense, Tolu. I was yeah. listening to a preaching on Sunday and the uh, the the minister was talking about um she was saying that um it's like, you know, as the she she preached on the psalm where it talks about, you know, as the deer panthers for the water. The and um she was saying that, you know, as your human body, the more you drink water, the more your body wants water. Mm. As in the more you drink and you quench your thirst, like really quench your thirst, the more you drink the water and stuff. That is it's the more that you will actually want it so sometimes you have to force yourself to drink water because you know obviously your body gets dehydrated you know um it's just like exactly what you just said the more you force yourself to do the right thing the more you will just do the right thing like if it's not naturally coming to you you intentionally i think that's what the word is you have to intentionally make these movements as well um and so once you as you continue to intentionally do these things they they just become a part of you like your heart will yearn to do it more like the holy spirit will help you to do it more do you get what i'm saying like i just it kind of just made that connection for me where yeah she was saying the more you want to drink the more you drink water the more you'll you'll do it the more you read the bible the more you want to read the bible the more you help people out and you're generous and you're showing love in different ways that feeling of doing that you want to feel that more as well you want it because it it feels good to know that you're doing what god wants you to do let's be real you know one of the things that i've also found really kind of liberating and freeing is it's not about me anymore like there's so many people hurting out there there's the state of the world like it's, there's other things bigger than me. Like like you were talking about adoption earlier on. There's kids out there that are being ad- abandoned, that don't have families. Like he's more concerned about rescuing those people. He wants to rescue the world. Like he wants to make this world a better place. And when I say the world, I don't just mean people. I mean the physical earth. He really wants to restore creation to what he wanted it to be. We should be out here trying to find ways... Like I've changed my whole mind on the whole global warming agenda. I've changed my whole mind on when I see animals are going extinct. Previously, I used to be like, oh, who cares? Human beings are more important than animals. But now I'm like, that's God's creation, yo. God, <laughs> God spent time 
designing these animals and and breathing life mm. into them and by our action mm. some of these animals are going extinct what like this is god's creation like i feel like christians when we come together in churches we should be brainstorming how to solve problems in our community we should be doing that's mm. more what we should be doing but we're instead just about self-improvement all of that jazz uh, Mm. It's very self, very isn't self. it? It's, it's, it's very internal, very insular. It's not about others. And in, even when it is about others, it's through you, as in, as in through the betterment of, oh, let's have a building because then we'll be able to get more people to do da 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 you know, rather than, mm, let's just... Going help people. The building, it's not like it's not that it will come in its own time if it needs to come. But what's more important, the people or the building? building. You know, actually helping the the community out. You know, like how much of an impact are you making on the community? And not because it's an agenda to make an impact, like it's one of your goals. No, just because that's what you're supposed to do. Because you love them. That's what Jesus wants us and to do. You want to help yeah. them. You should just want to, yeah, you know, that should be the thing that is driving you. Not, oh, let's help these people because they might then come to our church. That's mm. what people are really doing. That's their mm. agenda. Mm. If They're we help the community out, they'll come to our church. Mm. <laughs> what? No. Just help the community out because it's the right thing to do. Like, Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you now have a bit more of an insight into why we've set up this project. If you would like to join us on this mission, then please get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at The Eden Ideal, or you can find us at our website, theedenideal.com. In the next phase of our project, we really want to get practical and start to apply real solutions to some of the problems in our communities. So we're especially keen to connect with anyone interested in getting a bit more hands-on with us. Next week, we'll be starting a new conversation on the ideal of love for strangers. This is such a relevant conversation, in particular for us here in the UK, with Brexit imminent and the current conversations around the EU migrant crisis. We hope you can join us for that. Until then, stay blessed.